Today's episode of Necronomapod is brought to you by Beardology. There are a lot of imitators out there, but there's only one place I buy my beard oil. Beardology beard oil nourishes your skin and won't leave you with that greasy feel. With over 17 cents available in their extensive product line, I trust my beard to Beardology. You can find Beardology at beardology.co. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your purchase. Beardology, discover the best way to avoid the shave. On today's show, we complete our two-part series on the Children of God cult. We'll discuss flirty fishing, a borderline prostitution ring that David Berg set up as a recruitment tool to gain more followers. We'll also discuss the supposed messiah of the cult, Karen Zerby's son, Ricky Rodriguez, who Berg chose as the prophet who would lead the Children of God against the Antichrist. The amount of abuse that Rodriguez would sustain during his time in the Children of God would eventually amount to more than he could handle. And finally, he decided to seek revenge against his abusers. Also, it's the return of the fuck schedule. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of fishing and loose women, stick around. In part two of this sordid tale, the red snappers jump on your rod with no bait required. This is Necronomapod. Anyhow, I guess we'll see what happens. I hope that, uh... I hope, you know, y'all keep going, whoever watches this video, I hope that, um, well, I hope for one, it helps to understand a bit where I'm coming from, um, but, you know, I sort of seem laid back right now, but, Jesus Christ, you know, anger does not begin, does not begin to describe how I feel about these people and what they've done, you know, I mean, rage. I get livid, you know, just, that's a little closer to the way I feel. I, I just want to say, I hope that all of our masturbating fans were <laughs> chanting Monk Dave's uh, directed uh, Jesus chants oh. while they were masturbating all week. What was that one for? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, here, this I one. feel you inside. Because if you're pussy. masturbating, you're masturbating for Jesus. <laughs> this one cracked me up. Sexier than I ever dreamed. So handsome, so naked, and so hard. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <That's> outrageous. <laughs> Jesus was not meant to be talked about like that, right? <laughs> it's, not what it's, it's not what it's supposed to I be I mean, about. that's not what I want to think about when I'm masturbating, right? You know, I mean, I'm not going to talk about Jesus and his handsomeness and his hardness. Not normally. I mean, no. but if, if you want to, that's fine. Sure. That's, yeah. you know, we left you the simple rules for how to jerk off to Jesus per children of uh, God cult, David Berg and Karen if you Zerby. Yeah. If you choose to, to do that and be one of the 144,000 people that gets to heaven, then bravo to you. That's all mm-hmm. on you. And if you not, if you have not heard that episode, we highly suggest you go back and listen to the children of God part one that we released last week. Well, and also, what are you doing listening to part two? Some people just like to play their most recent episode, Dave. <laughs> Some maybe there's a new listener out there. Okay, and they're like, oh, let me see what they're all about. You're welcome to keep listening, but you might be a little lost. I recommend you go back listen to Children of God part one. We're about to get into part two. It's good advice, uh, Mike. Good advice. Ian, so where did we kind of leave off here with this? So last week we ended with flirty fishing, which is the most uh, most infamous aspect. It's what they're of known called. for. Yeah. So let's let's jump right into flirty fishing. It was a form of religious prostitution, citing Matthew verse nineteen, quote, "Follow me, and I will make you the fishers of men." <laughs> It's a loose interpretation. I mean, I, I, if I, I mean, reading that, I'm not. My mind doesn't go to. I'm gonna go bang people to spread the word nope. of Jesus. Sure. <laughs> nope. So starting with women in the inner circle, David ordered them to go out and pick up men, seduce them, and bring them back into the cult afterwards. David said they should not let self and pride stop them. That their bodies had already been bought through the crucifixion of Jesus. And this was their way of paying him back. Interesting point of view. Yeah. And there was uh, there was no pretending. These women knew exactly what they were doing, and they called themselves hookers for Jesus. And there's a lot of, a lot of artwork out there uh, promoting the hookers of, of Jesus stuff. So 
Will we be having a Hookers for Jesus Necronomapod shirt available on the website for purchase? I would. Uh, I would be all for that. Yeah, we'll put that maybe in the in the future category. Oh, all right. That, I don't know if we're going to have great. that available right now. Uh, we might get to that point. If you are willing to buy a Hookers for Jesus T-shirt, hit us up Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let us know. I love that one. Might be a made-to-order type situation. I love the artwork with that cool comic artwork. It's great. Have a mermaid with a hook through her. That's I I know I believe you. I'm just trying to picture this on a t-shirt that we're gonna fucking sell out there. We can try and put it on Instagram and not get knocked (laughs) off because it's all nudity. I think we would very much. Instagram is fucking bitches with some of that stuff. I know a bunch of people that had like they post pictures of like artwork with nudity and they get booted off. Yeah, The, the accounts don't. The pictures get booted. Right. So I'm not trying to get us blocked on there. So and then, you know, we've said to in part one that David would justify all this, all this shit by citing uh, Titus chapter one, verse 15, quote, to the pure, all things are pure. So you can just do whatever the fuck you want because you're pure. If you give your life to the Lord, you can do no wrong. Yep. Sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like I get a peanut butter sandwich out of it. No jelly. (laughs) Terrible. Flirty fishing was closely controlled by David, and in a Mo letter, he detailed the seven F's of flirty fishing. <laughs> Most of which of these do not even start with F's. <laughs> no. Uh, but he's a drunk fucking old piece of shit. Yep. Just super hammered out here making this <laughs> up. Drinking boxed wine. <laughs> not even using a cup. Just literally straight pouring the, into his mouth from the box. Fucking Franzia. So the first F is effective. In the first four years, David said that they attempted to flirty fish 400,000 people. They only had sex with 63,000, and half of those people stayed in the cult. Still scary numbers. It's not a bad turnaround. 30,000 people? (laughs) Scary numbers. Um, The second F was uh, effective. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same idea as the first one. Because if you fuck them and they join, you were a fucked of. E fucked of. I get what you're doing there. See what I did? It's nice. I can run a, run a cult, I think. <laughs> uh, fruitful. Do it as much as you possibly can with as many people as you possibly can. Efficient. The goal would be to do it with people that would benefit the cult. It's like rich people. Yeah. Well, that's his next one. Financial. Uh. Make your sex skills so great that at the very least they will make a donation to the cult. So they might not stay, but at least get some money out of it. I don't want to join your cult, but you suck my dick so good (laughs) that I'm going to write you a $1,000 check. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just paying a hooker. (laughs) Official. (laughs) Make sure you have sex with any influential people should the cult come into any legal trouble. So go find some lawyers. Yeah. And then forever. In the first four years of flirty fishing, 300 children were born into the cult because birth control and pulling out was not allowed. That's nice. And these called or in these kids were known as Jesus babies. <laughs> oh, sweet. Whew. Um, Karen Zerby was the first flirty fisher, and her first successful fish was a man from London that David named King Arthur in a. <laughs> In a series of 23 Mo letters titled King Arthur's Knights, the Nightcrawlers. He was all about this King Arthur dude. Mm, Fucking 23 Mo letters about this dude that uh, Zerby banged that just happened to be from uh, London. Did he tag team her with any Knights of the Round Table? No. Well, maybe you should read the Mo letters, Dave. (laughs) Let's not give any spoilers away here. Goddamn, pal. Yeah, he was all about this this King Arthur guy. He he always called him a sex. He always called him sexy. So, okay. What was his fascination with with this guy? I guess he just enjoyed him banging he, his wife. Oh, he just Karen Zerby was his wife. Well, sure, yeah, but she so, was banging everybody at this point. Why this guy? I don't know. King Arthur had something special about him. Wouldn't um, from the round from uh, Camelot, Sir Lancelot, have been a better one? Sir Lancer a lot. <laughs> what, did he get 23 Mo letters written about him, Dave? I don't think so. And the Mo letters are long. They're long as fuck, so 
You got 23 of them. What else does this guy have to do all day? He's right. writing mole letters. So David started this, the practice, the, the initial thing after Karen Zerby was successful with it was around a group of 20 men and women before he put it out into the general population of the cult. The men were called catacombers and they were not supposed to say that they were in a cult when fishing and their goal was to bring in underage girls. Which is that's healthy. Yeah. Did Chris Hansen catch any of these motherfuckers? <laughs> uh, can you imagine Dateline NBC to catch a predator? Children of God episode. So I see you brought some uh, chocolate chip cookies and some condoms with you. <laughs> Why don't you have a seat? What are you doing here tonight? <laughs> the best is when he tells them to leave and then he tells them to take the stuff with them. And they're walking out <laughs> with their, their fucking Taco Bell. And then the cops just tackle their asses <laughs> to the ground and arrest them. I love to catch a predator. I was just coming to protect her. Cause, yeah. uh, I just you know, came to warn a- her about the dangers of talking to people online. <laughs> Do you have condoms on you? Well, yeah. I always keep them on me. <laughs> That was guys, great. We, we watched the South Park episode, didn't we? Why don't you have a seat? Yes. Yeah. How'd you keep doing that? <laughs> so, because no protection was allowed in the cult, it just became a breeding ground for uh, sexually transmitted diseases. But David assured the followers um, that it wouldn't be an issue, writing, quote, Can you trust God? You won't catch anything, including a germ or a sperm. Even if you do, he will keep, heal, and help you to bear all things. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> I have some of his drafts when he was, you know, wordsmithing this. It was before he came up with the germ or sperm. He said, you won't catch anything, including a cold or a cooch full of mold. <laughs> <laughs> you won't catch anything, including the flu or a mouth full of goo. <laughs> and you won't catch anything, including an itch in your jockey or a face full of bukkake. Some Damn. of those were the early drafts before go. he settled on the final Dave, version. He should have been the, uh, uh, <laughs> or he should have been the attorney for O.J. Simpson with those rhymes. <laughs> Face full of bukkake. <laughs> so these, uh, all the comp. Once he put this out to the general population, uh, all the compounds were required to fill out very detailed reports on flirty fishing. And mail them to the Children of God location in Italy. In Italy. They even began to issue monthly publications ranking uh, the flirty fishers of the month. <laughs> Did they get bonuses? <laughs> the FOM. Flirty fishers of the month club. <laughs> At the same time, the idea of sexual sharing was introduced to the general population and this made it a requirement for member for all members to have sex with each other, including family members and children. And we're off to the races. Yeah, this is where it gets uh, it gets pretty ugly. In one of the most infamous Mo letters, titled uh, "The Devil Hates Sex, But God Loves It," just <laughs> <laughs> titles. David would justify everything to his followers. There's nothing at all in the world wrong with sex as long as it's practiced in love. Whatever it is, whoever it's with, no matter who or what age or what relative or what matter, I'm talking about natural, normal, godly love as manifested in sex. As far as I'm concerned, for whomever, there are no relationship restrictions or age limitations in his law of love. But the system lows make it all against the law. And if I tell you what I think, I'd probably break the law publishing it. Wow. <laughs> the system really stinks. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Well, he just said there's no restrictions in the age limitations. Yeah, so. we're talking. There you go, fella. Yeah. It's it's really going off the rails. Uh, David also started to require that women and young girls send him pictures and videos of them dancing naked in what he called glorify God in the dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not everyone went along with this stuff, especially as children born in the, into the cult got into their teen years and realized that this is, this is not natural. It is not natural to fuck your family members. How do you think those members. teens realize that, though? Like living in a, it's a great community question, right? Where it's very normal and natural. But know, I think, quote, I mean, unquote. how do how do they how do those teens start to realize like this is fucked up? 
I, I think it. Like, are they getting exposed to outside media at all? Like, are they having television? Well, not really, but I, I, I feel like at least for some of because not all of them went against the, you know, the word of, of this right. shit. But I, I like feel ones- like you would generally, there's something in you, the human, that would be like, I shouldn't be fucking my mom and right maybe now. That, maybe that's what it is. It's just natural maybe instinct. Maybe it is. Yeah. And then when, when you get like four or five of them together saying like, this is fucked up, they're like, yeah, this is fucked up. Yeah. Mm. Good for them. So when kids didn't go along with things, they were sent to, um, to uh, quote, teen training. And teen training would take places in secluded areas where they would be subject to public beatings, being tied to their beds at night, and public humiliation. But the this but the just like most disturbing punishment was an elastic device that would go around your ears and attach to the corners of your mouth that would just physically force you to smile. And they called this the smile machine. Oof, that's fucked up. Yeah, and terrifying. Yeah. In 1978, David organized a major purge of those members that were not on board with all the incest and and child molestation. And that same year, Jim Jones would lead the People's Temple to, to the mass suicide that would cause the major backlash towards cults and fringe religious groups. So to get the heat off the children of God, David faked the disbanding of the cult and renamed it the Family of Love. But For the record, Jonestown episodes available in our archives, all three parts, yep. if you want to hear that story. Mr. Muggs in part one, part two, and part three. <laughs> the hero of the entire story. Just because I feel the need to talk about Mr. Muggs in every single episode <laughs> from this point forward. But by this time, by the time that they re- rebranded it, the family of love, the messiah of their cult was already born, named Ricky Rodriguez, also known as David Ito. What does that name mean? Uh, I don't know. I think David Berg just made it up. <laughs> I feel like it's got to mean something. I'm looking okay. It, I'm Googling it. Is it like David plus Judge Lance Ito? Lance Ito from our our celebrated O.J. Simpson episode, available on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher. The Dancing Itos. The Dancing Itos. When you Google David Ito, anything that comes up is just Children of God stuff. I'm pretty sure he just made it up. I think he just took his name and added Ito to it. Okay. Um, so in, in 1974, while David and uh, Karen Zerby were still experimenting with flirty fishing, Karen Zerby reported that she had sex 137 times with 18 different employees at a hotel that they were staying at in Spain. Hashtag gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, she got pregnant, and uh, she randomly claimed that one of the waiters named Carlos was the father. Poor fucking Carlos. Like, <laughs> she just picked she him out. No. No. He's one of 18 This guy's just guys. trying to make a living, working in a hotel. Right. Happens to fuck some American woman. Yeah. In Revelations, it said that the end times, or in the end times, there would be two prophets who would rise to defeat the Antichrist. David interpreted this as the prophets being Karen and Ricky Rodriguez, which not Ricky Ricardo from I Love Lucy, no, okay. no, and not Richard Ramirez. <laughs> okay, the screen door killer. Yeah, screen door intruder. Screen door intruder. Apologies, <laughs> my the screen door intruder is a lot less aggressive. Also available in the archives, the Richard Ramirez episode. Great episode. Let's plug all our shit while we're at it. Ricky Rodriguez being being the uh, one of the prophets came from David's obsession with the number seven. When Ricky was born, he weighed 77 kilos. Ricky was born in the seventh hour of the seventh day. Ricky was born on January 25th, two plus five equals seven. And the bill at the hospital after his birth came to $7,000. All right. Numerology is one of the dumbest fucking things <laughs> Ever. Yeah, I don't... I don't disagree, but mostly because I suck at math and I hate numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Even though David was not Ricky's biological father, David said that he was his spiritual father, not his, quote, flesh daddy. That's why I make my wife call me, flesh daddy. <laughs> These terms just, like, fucking... Flesh daddy. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> flesh daddy is what he called Carlos. Um... 
Poor Carlos, just some fucking yeah. drunk broad. He banged at the hotel one night. Now, now he's in this cult, weren't doing all this bullshit. Well, and- it's not even, they don't even know it's his kid. Like, he <laughs> right. literally just got picked. Yeah. He might have been walking by with room service at the fucking wrong time. And fucking Karen Zerby's like, that's the guy. He put it in me. They don't even know. He might not even been one of the 18 dudes to fuck her. True. <laughs> Well, that would be some shit if he if he wasn't even one, and he was like, "Wait a second, yeah. probably." I mean, <laughs> I don't know that white sp- devil. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there was no testing going on. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, and talking about poor Carlos here, this is just absolutely sick. This story that we're about that I'm about to go into was included in a Mo letter titled "Life with Grandpa." <laughs> <laughs> I bet this is a doozy. Carlos was greeted at the door of this hotel room by David and told that he was the father of the new prophet. Like, he just envision this as, as your Carlos. So, this fucking old creepy guy answers the door and says, You're the pro, or you fathered the new prophet. Uh, si, senor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then David poured everyone a glass of wine and said, Let the sharing begin. David tried to get Carlos to molest his supposed infant son and have sex with Karen Zerby at the same time in front of him. It's absolutely disgusting. So they, he actually put this in one of these letters? Yes. He wrote this out. Woo. And naturally, Carlos was just like, I'm I'm getting the fuck out of here. And like any normal, rational person would. Get the fuck out of that situation. Yeah. Do you think he announced it like to the whole room? Like they like Bruce like, Buffer style? Like, let's get ready to share our wives. <laughs> let's get ready to molest the newborn son. <laughs> like this I whole mean, scene in this room is ridiculous. <laughs> I Yeah. And if I'm Carlos, I'm probably thinking like, bitch, I didn't even fuck you. What are you trying to say? I'm, I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Why am I here? I, I don't know. Let's get ready to get the fuck out of this room and never look back. <laughs> I, I just. Good I, for Carlos getting the hell out of there. Yeah. I mean, you, I don't know. So he related in the mole letter that Carlos was like, yeah, fuck y'all and retreated from the room. immediately. Yeah. Probably so he can make himself look like the hero, though. Yeah. You know. He ran away from his responsibilities or whatever gimmick he wanted to write up. There's not much hero when you're talking about molesting a, a infant. Well, but, I mean, yeah. there's what the fuck. It's just a side note. It's uh, July 16th, and someone's still shooting fireworks off outside. Yeah. On a Tuesday. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening to this, it's Sunday, so ignore that. <laughs> So, Spoiler alert, we recorded this on Tuesday. <laughs> also in this Mo letter, which was illustrated and extremely graphic, David explains to Ricky why he is brown and not white, and Berg said, God just used Carlos only to fuck mama so that I could have you. He was just like an instrument or tool that Jesus, Jesus used to help create you for his kingdom. Praise the Lord. <laughs> A penis is like a plow, and a woman's womb is like a furrow, and a man plants a seed. I am like the farmer, and you are like my little crop. Let's get ready to harvest Ricky Rodriguez! (laughs) You know, we've done all we i mean we've done our fair share of joking and, and laughing about this stuff but this is this is where this takes a really probably the sickest thing that i've ever read um yeah it's horrific yeah this the whole is, rest of the story yeah so for the first few years of ricky's life they detailed every uh pretty much every day or a lot of days just basically everything that was going on in his life it totaled six, 762 pages and was titled The Story of David Ito. It's not really covered in any do, in a lot of documentaries about children of God, and I think it's one of those things that is just so bad. Yeah. And, People and just, just don't want to touch it. And vile, but I, it's a huge part of the story, and it's a huge part of understanding Ricky Rodriguez as a person, and I think it's just... Uh, well, I think what's unusual is that they committed these crimes to... To paper and actually put it down. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they who, tried to scrub this shit. And we'll, who we'll, does that? Yeah. 
So it was originally published <clears throat> to the cult in 1982, but was later heavily uh, censored once they realized that people could start uh, that people could document this and charge them with child abuse. And they didn't take into account that the internet would would come along. <laughs> yeah. So trying to scrub it, it makes it even fucking creepier because they have lots of pictures in there of Ricky Rodriguez nude with other nude adults, like obviously mm-hmm. not appropriate at all. But then they covered it up with these creepy ass drawings of smiley faces. It's so you couldn't identify the adults, right? But in the but they all they all said like oh this is there's nothing wrong with this this is natural well if it was natural then why are you covering your face after yeah, yeah. the fact so the story of David Ito was supposed to be a manual on how to raise a child and just to give an idea how many people followed this book and believed that Ricky was the prophet in 1978 the cult claimed 8,000 members living in 228 compounds around the world. In 1983, a year after this book was released, the members of the cult reported 746 births within the cult. Mm, That's huge. Yeah. Ricky, who was often called the Brown Prince, was given as the example of a perfect child and how to perfectly raise a child. Because Karen Zerbe was so busy with the day-to-day functions of the cult, because at this time, too, David David Berg's health was kind of declining, so... Karen Zerbe was was pretty much running things. Because he was old at this point. Yeah. Most of the child care was done by Sarah Kelly, otherwise known as Sarah David Ito. <laughs> <laughs> and Angela Smith, otherwise known as Sue, Sue Calton. These two women were uh, David's, like his elite flirty fishers. Sarah had been in the cult since the age of 18 and was so far gone into this lifestyle that she would freely offer her seven-year-old daughter to David for sexual purposes. Jesus. Fuck her. Yeah. Sarah's complete lack of sexual boundaries would be further detailed in the story of David Ito, where she began to molest Ricky at 17 months old. And here's an example of the writings in the book. He gets quite excited when I wash his bottom and his peenie gets real big and hard. I kiss it all over till he gets so excited he bursts into laughter and spreads his legs open for more. I wonder what it's going to be like when he begins to talk and ask me for more. Oh, oh boy. God. That's uncomfortable to, to read. Like, yeah. I feel dirty for even reading that. Yeah, reading the the story of David Dito is... Uh... 17 fucking months old. Vile. Yeah. So uh, Ricky was raised alongside a girl named Davidita who was supposed to be, quote, a sexually liberated child. Whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know. At the age of 10, Ricky was placed in a quote on the, quote, sharing schedule, which was basically a sex timetable like it was a fuck schedule, but he was only 10 years old. But it was a fuck schedule for everyone in the in the uh, cult. Yeah, with adults, children, yeah. you're just it's all free reign here. Well, who ran their fuck schedule? They didn't have Mister Muggs there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. Uh, who wrote up their schedule? So when Ricky was twelve, he was given a much older girlfriend named Bonnie, and also in that year, he was forced to have sex with his own mother, Karen Zerby. Oof. What does that do to you? Do you think that was because Jesus. David Berg never had sex with his mother? So he was trying to get maybe, Ricky maybe, like yeah, over sure. that hump? Yeah, I didn't even think of that, maybe. If he was even still kind of calling the shots at this point, he might have been tapped out. We, I mean, we don't know. Yeah, I think Well, I think at this point, this thing was so, <clears throat> was so far gone and out of control that he probably didn't have much say in, in a lot of this. It was right. basically Karen Zerbe and just running it all. And yeah. And like I said, it was so far gone at this point. It was just completely out of control. Ricky never had interactions with other kids that weren't being molested and only saw other kids if they went out in public. David Berg feeling pressure from stories getting out officially banned sex between adults and children in 1986. In, oh, finally. I mean, this the fact that you have to officially ban 
molestation is just yeah exactly <laughs> hey quit that's not something abusing your children yeah. and having sex with them yeah in 87 flirty fishing was stopped due to the potential spreading of aids and finally in 1989 they decided that children shouldn't be having sex with each other anymore and banned that oh revelation wow yeah. look at this only 20 fucking years later mm-hmm. around this time Ricky was introduced into the general population of the cult and attended a cult-ran school in Japan. He was described as a quiet and and shy kid that just wanted to fit in, but kids were prepped in advance that he was the prophet and was uh, was now going to be in class with them, so it was difficult for him to make friends because no one knew how to treat him. I mean, and think of that. He's just a, just a kid, and you've been told that you're the prophet your whole life. <laughs> yeah. and He's going to save us You've also been fucking all. molested and, yeah. and abused your whole life. And that's the thing to kind of keep in mind with this, because the the molestation didn't happen in every uh, in every compound. So, well, right, and that's what it, that you had said, that Ricky was kept from the non-molested group. He was right. only around kids that were molested. Yeah. So he might be now associating with well or better adjusted kids, better adjusted, maybe not well adjusted, better adjusted kids who are now looking at him like, oh, he's the prophet. Yeah. This poor fucking kid can't win. Right. He's the one who has to get us to heaven. Yeah. Right. Like, how do you live with that? Yeah. And he's, he's what, 12 years old? Yeah. 12, 13. Oh my gosh. The one practice that didn't go away were the teen training camps and the person to receive the punishment the most was David's granddaughter, Mary Berg, who she was the daughter of the daughter of Aaron, who killed himself. Mm. Karen Zerby was afraid that Mary would take her place at the end times to sit beside Ricky. And Karen thought this because David was making Ricky have sex with Mary to have the family line continue with a prophet being the father. <laughs> Mary was shipped to a, ch- a teen training camp by uh, Karen Zerby where she was abused brutally for months. And Ricky's nanny, Sarah, took part in a lot of uh, a lot of the abuse. So he was having his technically stepson, David Ito, have sex with his granddaughter, Mary Berg. Yeah. That's nice. As kids. They're as kids. They're yeah, fucking they're, kids. Yeah, yeah. They're they're two kids being That's great. Yeah. Thanks, David. So we're gonna bring this now into like modern day nineties, I guess, and kind of wrap this story up here with and finally polish off this piece of shit David Berg. Yep. Right after this. We like to drink beer. A lot of it. After a long night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies, there's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than just brew coffee. With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, Raise your standards. Check them out in social media and remember, they roast, you just brew. Check out their new online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your order of two pounds or more. So because of being very good at covering his tracks and living in a pre-internet world, David Berg died in 1994 without having to answer for any of this. One of the most enraging things we've ever talked about. Yeah. That motherfucking piece of shit never had an answer for any of this. Any of the lives he ruined, any of these yeah. kids that were abused, all this shit. And Fuck him. Well, I think it, the flirty fishing helped out a lot with this because they got lawyer. I mean, they had some high profile people involved, like respectable lawyers and whatever. And I think some of this could be, hey, uh, either you had sex with a minor or you were around when a minor was mm-hmm. having sex with an adult. So you're complicit. So help us out here. Cause he just yeah. bounced around the world. And then I, I know Japan tried to, uh, tried to do something against them that didn't work out legally. And they just really got away with, with a lot here. 
I mean, not that we can cover all of this, but there are like there's that 2020 video of this mother trying to get her kids back from these clowns in uh God, what country was that in? Did is this did I watch this one? Yeah, I think it was Thailand actually. And the husband was over there, and the kids all wanted to stay with him because they were all brainwashed. And yeah. like, it's just sad. Mm. You can Google that and watch it, but it was an old. It's terrible. I mean, I think yeah, it was from the eighties. They're so not fun was, documentaries yeah. to watch. Yeah. Terrific. So after David died, Karen Zerbe married top uh, top cult official Peter Amsterdam. And then took complete control of the cult, who at that time was reporting a following of 10,000 people. In 1995, Ricky was sent to live in Budapest, where he was just able to just be Ricky and not known as the prophet. How old is he at that point? He was born in 75, so he's 20. So he's 20? Free to be me. But by this point, he's so fucking damaged. Yeah. Well, he began like to even living a normal life. What does that even mean? Right. He began to open up to people about how he was raised and started to realize that it was just a completely just fucked up situation because other people he was interacting with didn't all of them didn't go through all this molestation stuff. Um, so Karen Zerby caught word of him talking to people and he was ordered to move back with her and she was living in Portugal at the time. And all that freedom that he was allowed to have for for a second there was completely taken away, and he was a mis- he was miserable, but afraid to leave the cult due to due to horror stories about people um, who left falling into drug abuse, suicide, and other things. Which I mean, you can see that in the documentary. A lot of those kids are. What's that documentary called? It's called Children of God, Lost and Found. It's on Amazon Prime. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Go and, check it out. I mean, uh, not really a feel good story. Well, it's no, not. But those kids that decided to leave, I mean, they have no life skills, and a lot of them do get hooked on drugs. And the suicide rate is extremely high with yeah. people that left or kids that left. I mean, they don't have coping skills for the real world, right? Um, and the documentary that won his it's. The kid that made it, there's there's several shots of him talking to his mother, who's still in the cult on the phone. And right. Just the back and forth between them is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend. It's very interesting. Yeah. If, if this is something you want to look into more, then yeah, check that out. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a Netflix and chill, I don't recommend that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Californication. Yes. Re- that's what we recommend for Fuck, Netflix. We and talked chill. about that last week. Californication mm-hmm. on Netflix. I believe it's all still there. Seven seasons. It's all there. It's the best David Duchovny. Agree. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. We'll I don't get know a review would... next week from Ian. Yeah. I don't know if it'll beat X Files. But... I, I understand people love their X Files stuff. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. Good. This show is good. I don't watch a lot of TV shows or movies, as we've probably discussed on this. That show, Californication, I think I've rewatched at least eight or nine times. <laughs> Beginning to end, eight or nine times. Yeah. I've rewatched that show over and over again. Love it. Um, Nailed it. <laughs> Motherfucker. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. If you like that, you'll like the show. So the abuse of Mary Berg and what was happening to ex-members that left with the, the drug abuse and suicide uh, really fueled Ricky's anger toward Karen Zerby and his two nannies, Sarah and Sue. In the year 2000, Ricky finally left the cult with his girlfriend, Elixia. And a few months later, he wrote an email to a top official saying, Some days I've come close to snapping and going back to their compound but not for a social visit and not for a repentant prodigal, but as an avenger. I don't see why I should have to pay for their sins. I mean, it's traumatic to leave everything you've ever known. Well, and, and you got to think too, the story of David Ito was put out to thousands of people and it's extremely graphic talking about him being molested and how great it was for the beginning of his life. I mean, you got to think how just uh, embarrassing and demoralizing that would be. terrible. Yeah. How do you go on from that? And now that the internet is what the internet is, it's out there for the whole world to read. You know, I mean, it's... Right. It's... uh, This poor fucking guy. Yeah. 
shortly after he sent this email, Ricky moved to Tacoma, Washington, and uh, was looking for work and sleeping on former members' floors until he and his girlfriend could get an apartment. And Ricky eventually got a job as an electrician's apprentice, but just just couldn't uh, couldn't move past what what had been done to him and other kids in the cult. Um, he formed a sense of needing to protect everyone that had been hurt by the cult, more so over his own feelings. And I mean, you can do you think that's part of that whole Messiah mystique that they built up in his head? I, like he almost felt like responsible, responsible for all of this. Maybe. I mean, if you watch it, he has like an hour long kind of video manifesto and he really talks. It's not pleasant. No, but I mean, and he talks more about what was done to other people than what was done to him, to him. You know what I mean? But and that's what I'm wondering, like, why did he feel the, the need to talk more about the other people and protect the other people? Does that have something to do with the fact that he was the the, the quote prophet? Yeah, and I would think so. You'd you know? probably feel responsibility for all that when meanwhile, you're held up as like the spiritual leader of right. this whole stupid movement. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he was 12 years old and getting fucking raped every yeah, night right. yeah. and had nothing to do with any of this. Yeah, I mean, he'd been getting molested since he was 17 months old was the earliest in, yeah. in his story. And like, there's no way you walk out of that unscathed. No. It's, it's not going to happen. No, and then, like I was saying earlier, then it's it's published for all these members to see, and then when the internet comes around for the whole world to to read about what happened to him. Of course you feel responsible. So he refused to talk to anyone outside of former members about what happened in fear of being called crazy because at at this time there wasn't really proof there wasn't like internet proof of of what happened to him so he just let this this hate and and want for revenge just to to fester for years Mm In 2004, Ricky moved to San Diego by himself and thinking that there was no legal recourse for what happened, he just he decided to take it into his own hands. His plan was to track down his mother, Karen Zerby, and murder her, effectively cutting the head off the snake. He believed that if he killed uh, Karen Zerby, the whole organization would just crumble. And Which I, may be true. Yeah. Could well, be. I guess, yeah, if you're going to just take out the leader, that's, I mean, that would be, I guess, the most obvious thought to take her out. And then you, yeah. where are they going to go from there? So Ricky started to contact cult members, faking that he wanted to come back, come back into the cult and find his mother. He eventually found out the Christmas before she had, uh, she had visited, visited her parents in, in Tucson so Ricky moved to Tucson to wait it out until she returned. Meanwhile, one of his nannies, Sue Calton, uh, not the one that did most of the abuse, but she did take some part in the story of David Ito, had recently left the cult but was still in contact with Karen Zerby. Ricky eventually got a hold of Sue and convinced her to come to his apartment for dinner under the disguise that he just wanted to catch up. But really, his plan was to hold Sue hostage to, to find out where Karen Zerby was. What did, Do we know why Sue had left the cult? No. But however she did, she was still on, uh, on good terms. Yeah. The night before their meeting, Ricky set up a camera and recorded a manifesto, explained why he was doing what he was about to do. And like we said before, that whole thing is on YouTube and uh, xfamily.org. And I think it's it's important to, to actually, if anybody really wants to to get a, a real full understanding of, of his situation, I think it, it's, it, it's important to watch the whole I mean, if video. you want to get the, the the story and his his it, view of things and his mindset, it's really yeah, it's powerful. Because some documentaries and I mean, he wasn't like a huge breaking news story, but it, it was painted like he was some kind of maniac, you know, that just went off the deep end, and that's not that's not what it was. I mean, he made the wrong decision and handle and how to yeah. handle this, but he wasn't. Uh, He's just a broken guy. Yeah, that didn't have any way to deal with it. Um, after recording the video, Ricky sent it to a friend in New Mexico and said, quote, I found the solution. It's all in the video. 
you know, the two about like watching that video, he's like talking about drinking beers and watching scary, like horror movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he seemed like a guy that we would probably hang out with. Yeah, for sure. You know, which is incredible that he can be that well adjusted after all the shit he went through. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's just like, oh, I'm going to drink some beers. And I think he says, watch White Noise. I think it was a movie. Was? I think White, so. Yeah, I don't I'm like, I would, I would chill with that. I would yeah. hang out with that right. guy, you know. Just, it's, it's ridiculous. Horrible. So, it's it's not clear about how things went down. But after telling Sue Calton his intentions, he stabbed her five times and slit her throat. Ricky then got in his car and dro- drove towards Phoenix. And he called his girlfriend, Elixia at 7.15 p.m. and told her, quote, Killing someone is so much harder than I thought it would be. He also told her that while Sue was bleeding to death, she still didn't understand what she or anyone else in the cult did wrong, Mm. which is... Very telling. Yeah. Uh, Ricky arrived in Blythe, California at a Holiday Inn at 10 p.m., showered, drank a few beers, and then got back in his car. He drove a couple miles away to a remote location and just not being able to handle killing someone, no matter how evil they were, he shot himself in the head, killing himself. At least he Tragic had some cool-down bears. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the way to do it. It's a tragic end to a tragic story. Yeah. And I, in like what he was planning, and in the video, like what he was planning to do, you have to be a real piece of shit person to want to carry out all these murders that he's talking about doing and i think it's like what he what he said to his girlfriend that it was way harder you know i think he was like he watched that girl bleed out yeah Yeah. he's like this isn't this isn't me kind of thing you know like he's too uh, good of a person yeah it's it's crazy how someone can be so sane coming out of this cult yeah. And you can tell too, like in the video, he's got all these guns and the knives and stuff. It's almost like the, um, like I was reading psychologists talk about when people get abused like that for so long, it's like they view the abusers as like, mo- like invincible monsters, you know? Because, I mean, he wouldn't need all that ammo and shit to kill a yeah. couple old women, you know? It's like you could tell how he viewed them as. Yeah. But today, Karen Zerby still runs the cult, and it's rebranded again as the Family International and still claims 10,000 members with Ricky's former nanny, Sarah Kelly, who is responsible for much of this this abuse to him. She's still a current member. Hmm. Both Karen and Sarah have been in hiding since this incident and run the cult from an unknown location, and to this day, no one knows where they are in the world. And there's still bounties on both of their heads? I don't think there's any legal recourse to do anything about this at this point. I think it's all circumstantial. But And this is the part that, that pisses me off the most about this whole thing is uh, Karen Zerby used this incident to her own advantage and opened up RickyRodriguez.com and, and made him into a martyr. And she made his name into a suicide prevention story and even went as far as to claim that Ricky would still be able to get into heaven. Like she painted him as just like some lost soul, whatever. And it's like, no, it's your fucking fault. Yeah. You fucked your own son. There's a bunch of nice pictures of Ricky on the website. And yeah, it's like yeah. this big memorial kind sure. of thing. Yeah. So what we're saying is it's go see the website. But if there's any part that asks, like, donate money, do not donate money to it. Because it's going to fucking go to this, what, Family International, yeah. probably. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like they, uh, and, and whoever did runs uh, xfamily.org that's compiled all this stuff is is great. Because if they if someone didn't hold on to all those Mo letters and all this stuff, they could have scrubbed this shit and, yeah. and ran this as, you know, and acted like none of this ever happened. And there's still just not enough evidence to go after these fucks? She's been hiding. I think I read the last time anyone knew where she was. She was somewhere in Mexico in 2010. And that's the last anybody has ever even heard of where she is. And a lot of the people... Up until this happened with uh, with Ricky and like things were on the news and stuff about it, it was kind of like David Berg back in the day. No one even knew what she looked like. A lot of members of this of this cult, yeah, didn't even know what she looked like. How old is she now? Seventy three. It's not a happy ending. No, no. 
I mean, and I'm, I'm censored from saying what I want to have happen to her. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. The first episode is a lot, you know, you can joke about David Berg saying wild shit about how to master being a creepy old fucking yeah. trying to be hippie. And yeah, it, it just yeah, it takes a major turn with uh, with all this stuff. Mm. So, yeah, that's children of God. All right. Not so much a fun cult to join. No. We've covered some real winners on this show. Jonestown, Children of God. This might be the worst. I think I think it's the worst. I voted yeah. the worst. I think this is the worst topic we've covered yet, personally. And I know I know we've covered some serial killers who have done some terrible things. This one, I don't know, just hits more for me as the worst. Yeah. I mean I, I yeah. This I mean there's no murder involved here. I, I I understand, but you're ruining lives, you know, moving forward. These no, people are I, struggling to live I, I with agree. that. But, you know, I mean, Ed Camper was cutting people's heads off and fucking their skulls. So <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's all in perspective. Yeah. I still think this is worse. <laughs> I, I think fucking raping a seven month, 17 month old is worse. Yeah, Richard Chase uh, took part of a baby's head off in a bathroom. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of that I compare to this. That's right. the only one. I think when it involves kids, that's right. when I, I put it up All there. Right. That's the whenever I think about like the worst, I think of that scene that we talked about in the ar- archives, Richard Chase episode. Yeah. And uh, and this, I don't know. Barney Hill took an alien probe up the pooper. Yeah, his wife is a crack whore. <laughs> The end of this one just irritates the fuck out of me. There's no end. There, no, there's no nothing's end. Gonna happen still to fucking anybody. living yeah. and yeah. probably living good lives. Meanwhile, they've ruined all these other lives. Yeah, this one really pisses me off more than anyone we've discussed yet. And I don't. And it doesn't get at least the Ricky stuff doesn't get covered very much and, and stuff. Mm. You know, like that one documentary. And I don't understand really good, why it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if it's just the David Ito stuff is one of those things that's too rough. I don't know, but I I feel like it. Uh, you gotta you gotta at least talk about it to get the full scope of the of the story here. Right, of course. That's what your hard hitting journalistic friends at Necronomapod are here for. Covering the tough subjects here. Yeah, for better or for worse. Yeah. All right, we got anything else on uh, Children of God Part Two tonight, Ian? Nope. Nope. I'm good. Dave, you got anything else to add to this story? No, it's enough of this vile fucking tale. It's awful. I think I'm ready to move on from this one. I think it's safe to say we're ready right. for uh, a new subject, something fresh. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and YouTube, at Necronomapod. Hit us up. Let us know what you thought of Children of God. Let us know if you're as angry as we are about it or as I am personally. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Yep. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. Uh, might need a multiple after this. <laughs>